Welcome back, guys. This podcast is brought to you by RPG Coffee Company, a veteran-owned and operated socially responsible coffee company born to support members of the military, law enforcement, and firefighting communities by donating 50% of their profits. The true secret to living is giving. And don't forget to join the RPG Coffee Club today. Don't wait until you run out. Stay ready to rock by having RPG Coffee delivered straight to your door each month with our coffee club. All right, folks, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Bucks of America podcast. Tonight, I have a experts in, or almost like a legend when it comes down to turkey call and developing world-class calls. I got Big John Morton here from Big J uh, Custom Calls here. And we're going to sit down, we're going to talk about his, where he cut his teeth on to how he got in the game and where he's going from here. And I'm really excited about this uh, this episode. So, John, man, why don't you take it away with us? I've, I've hunted for my whole life. I grew up in Menden, Louisiana. Man, I, as a kid at 10 years old, I think I took my first deer. My dad had me out hunting even earlier than that. Uh, we had our own 40-something acres and then family land up north of us. But I was out shooting squirrels at 10. And, mm-hmm. you know, just growing up in the woods, I always had a had a want to, to hunt, to fish. and uh, Man, it, the deer hunting was always popular, and and then as I got into adulthood, it I got into turkey hunting after being kind of begged into it by old friends and captain at the police department that I worked for. Mm-hmm. And then was Royce Chapman. He he kept poking me and poking me, and he wanted me to go turkey hunting, and I went ahead and went with him. And I, I think that just kind of turned a uh, turned on a switch in me as far as the turkeys go. I've I've been building turkey calls and stuff since somewhere in around 2005, whenever I started mm-hmm. doing that. And uh, I wouldn't ever, I was just building them for friends. You know, yeah. somebody had a pair of wings and I, I built one. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Royce Chapman has one. Uh, but it just, it just kind of evolved from there. And I Facebook come out and, Man, it just it just made it easier to see things and to yeah. communicate with the turkey guys and the and even the deer. You know, anything deer hunting, any kind of hunting, anything you want to find, you can find information on Facebook. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where where I got started. I I've always been, you know, I've always been a hunter. Uh, I'd like to say a woodsman. I I know my way around. I know how to survive in the woods. And uh, I'm not as good as some, but I'm better than most. You know, and is the way I've always looked at it. And I, I could track them and uh, I've taught my kids the same thing. So, you know, just being raised in that lifestyle kind of puts you in, into a hobby. It put me into this hobby, mm-hmm. you know, building these calls and stuff. And it just enjoy, it's another way to enjoy the, uh, the woods, the bounty, the, the harvest, if you want to call it. And, and then it's another way to, to take home a trophy from your, your your kill or your harvest mm-hmm. um especially with a turkey you know a turkey's only got two wings and you you shoot a bird and i mean they are expensive to mount and you can throw the feathers up but when you can make a, a call to call a turkey in or even a grunt call out of that turkey bone you're carrying that hunt with you all the time you know mm-hmm. it's, it's something you can, you can sit down there it's kind of like the, the grunt call i got is I mean, you look at it and you know where that came from. 
you know, mm-hmm. if it's that sentimental to you. So it, that's, that's just where I got started with it. And it's grown to this. And, and I got to meet you and, and so many other people through, through this, uh, experience and, and, and lifestyle that I live. Mm-hmm. And when you're making these, uh, your calls, you said you use the wing bones. Like, do you have anything to show me on, uh, on zoom here? Yes. I mean, in, in the way a wing breaks down, I don't, I don't have an actual wing, but everybody kind of figure the wing out. It's kind of like yeah. the, your arm uh-huh. and it's set the same way. Well, you know, you got the, 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 the big part here. I mean, it's, it's the shoulder. Okay. You cut it. You cut all the parts out, and these two sit in the forearm. Well, when you take these small, these pieces, and you stack them, you know, put them together, mm-hmm. it creates a wing bone. Okay. Call, and I mean it's a. It's the first call that was made. Actually, the small bone was the first one used to call turkeys by the Indians. Okay. That's the original turkey call right there. That and the blade of grass was, I mean, is far dated back. And there's actually a man that, that I know that is, he, he's probably the caretaker of, of all the history of, of the, the, the turkey calls and out there. But he own, actually owns one that came out of a cave, if I'm not mistaken, out of Georgia. Okay. It's been dated back thousands of years and goes to the Indians. Okay. The original people of this land. Mm-hmm. And that's how they were calling turkeys. And, you know, there's, you use this and it's all size and oops, size and, and, and air that makes that call work. And you're sucking as you do it. This is a piece of cane. Two pieces of cane with a wing bone mouthpiece. Okay. And it's just a different different sound. Now, a wing bone call is not made for for a short distance, like two foot, ten yards. This is a this sounds more even more realistic, more crisp, more hen at a hundred yards, seventy-five yards. Oh, okay. It, it's not a close call, um, but a lot of people use them. There again, it's like anything else. It's a you have to learn how to do these. It, you can you can play the the pot calls. Uh, I make strikers out of the out of the wing bones. I can play I can play a a pot call as I got right here. Yeah, and this is. A, this is a wing bone. Wow. So, I mean, there's all kinds of uses. And the, the, the crazy thing is if I didn't use these wing bones, uh-huh. they'd be laying out there. They'd be laying out in the woods, decaying and uh-huh. becoming part of the land because people don't realize what they have. They just breast out the turkey and take the, the okay. tail and, and, and pull the old, pull the old beard off and keep the spurs and they got them a you know got them a little mountain take the take the meat a little bit of meat out of the breast and there's a lot i mean i use feathers every one of these calls that i use i, I inlay feathers in them mm-hmm. um it's a grunt call it's a it's made out of a wing bone from a turkey it's got a feather on it from a turkey i turn that out of a walnut mouthpiece 
That's impressive. That sounds really, really good. Well, and the difference in this to me, and it's your ear that you're hearing, you know, of course, on a recording here. Yeah. But the difference between that and your, your traditional, which this is one of my childhood grunt calls that I've had since I was probably like 15 years old. Okay. And I've used it and I've killed deer with it, but it's got a plastic, you know, sound right there. And it's going to be. Well, I mean, I've heard bucks grunt and stuff, and to me, that sounds more natural mm-hmm. than the plastic. But it's all in what you pay for and, and and what you do. And there again, going back on the on the craftsmanship, when you when you do business with a call builder, you're gonna. Yeah, you're going to spend more money on this call than you will yeah. this one. Mm-hmm. But it's also the time and the beauty and the and the patience and where 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 did this come from? What's the story behind this? You can go down to Bass Pro and buy it. You won't buy this at Bass Pro. That's true. I can promise yeah. you won't buy this at Bass Pro. Guaranteed. So, uh, and I do business there, but on the same behalf, you know, it's our, it's it's about my calls. And I mean, here's one that. It's a wing. That's a wing bone call. Okay. If you see that up close there. Yeah, I see it now. Very nice. That's rattlesnake skin. It's a Merriam spur. Okay. It's a three-piece call, just like this right here. Okay. But the centerpiece, instead of being part of the wing bone, that's actually a leg. Oh, no kidding. And a spur. It's like, there's part of the leg right there. All right. I see the, I see the comparison. Now, does that make now does so, the leg bone create a different sound than a, than over a wing it's, bone? It's a little different, a little different, and also if you notice the cut on the bottom, this is an open bell. Yeah, I see that. The only hole that I'm using for my exhaust is this is where a ligament and muscle meets into the shoulder. Okay. That hole's that hole's actually natural. I clean out the marrow and the the inside light bone that's in there. All right. That you can see. I see that. Yeah. Inside that and that hole right there. I clean that out and okay. there's a, I'm open it up. But that's a turkey call. This wow. call this call won me the 2020 uh, amateur decorative wing bone division. For the championship. Okay. So I, and I, I I bought it back and I'm gonna put it in my little showcase. It's the first major that I've won, and I've had several that I've done before that I've won competition, but this is this is the actual overall champion for mm-hmm. amateurs. Mm-hmm. Now I gotta move up to something different, I guess. <laughs> That's still quite comp- impressive, just just kind of just a guy turning this into a hobby. And the hobby turned into a Something that pays for your 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 uh your hobby essentially. Well, yeah, it, it. I told my wife whenever I started doing this, and I spent a lot of time in the shop. Whenever I get in here, yeah, it's pretty much you got to get in and, and 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 be in it and and finish you know finish these products. I mean, I've got I guess a buffalo call I haven't finished yet, and I just haven't had time. But 
you constantly got I constantly got something going on and people contacting me. Yeah. Um, and I told her, I said, as long as it pays for itself mm-hmm. and I allow it to pay for my my hunting habits with my son then and my daughter, then we're good. So mm-hmm. I don't I'm I'm not trying to make a killer business on it. I want people to enjoy every turkey season. I I offer it on my Facebook page. First time hunters, first time turkey killers, and I'm going off of trust. You know, mm-hmm. I trust the fact that people are going to send me that, you know, and tell me the truth when they say that this is the first and mostly it's juveniles, but they'll send me their wing bones and I'm going to make them a free call. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's a give back to those kids. And it, we really got to reach out to the, the kids and in and, and this conservation because they're the ones that's going to keep it rolling. Yes. We're just building a platform, you know, and, and I'm big in NWTF. Um, they're they're taking a lick and, and and working on things and trying to straighten things out and and getting back straight and narrow through this whole coronavirus crud. But um, you know, NWTF is a great thing for conservation and kids. You mm-hmm. know, and they're they're really into the heritage of our hunting. And that's that kind of when I when I joined them, oh God, numerous years ago. That was another push I had in me when I started going like to the DU banquet, mm-hmm. to NWTF banquets. You see that they put into like their, it, it, I forget what NWTF called it, but their their kids group. And then, of course, the NWTF has the Jake's group. And I just knew that that's where I needed to be. And, you okay. know, this thing is I also donate to them and and build calls for those new kids that, that are getting out there and killing their first bird. I got I got a stack right here I'm doing for a young man out of uh, Alabama. Okay. A friend of mine. And uh, it was his first bird. So that's pretty cool. I enjoy it. Yeah. You told me you've taken your, your two children on some really fun trips. What You went to uh, tell me about one of the trips you did when it was a 2019 you took your son out well, to uh, Miriam Turkey hunting. Well, last year, you know, when they, when they quarantined everybody and, and said, okay, stay at home, man. There ain't nothing better than being quarantined outside. Yes. And I don't have I don't have to stop and eat inside everywhere I go. We packed up with a real good friend of mine from uh, Mississippi, uh, Warren Nunley. And we left. Me and my son and Warren took off. We went to Texas. We hunted in Texas for three days. Mm-hmm. Hunted up in turkeys hard over there. That was a tough hunt. And, uh, we took all, and then we left from there and we went all the way up to Hewlett, Montana. I mean, I'm sorry, Hewlett, Wyoming. Okay. Um, up there against the Devil's Tower. And we hunted almost a week up there. And okay. trust me, I could, I didn't have to hunt a week to get a bird up there. That is the most beautiful place on earth for, to me <laughs> for those Merriams. And it's just the landscape is just phenomenal. Uh huh. But, um, we hunted up there, but the whole thing about that was we were supposed to actually, I was supposed to be guiding for the uh, uh, Old West Turkey Shoot. It's a one-shot competition that they have every year in Houston. Uh-huh. Okay. And there's, some, there's some big names in there. It's worth looking up. Uh, a lot of peop- big people in the industry go up there, and I think there's somewhere around 50 teams. All right. The way it works is you, you go up there and me and you may go together and drive all the way up there and get into the contest, mm-hmm. but me and you aren't going to hunt together. They're going to put you on a dial and spin it. Okay. And when it, when your name comes up, you go with this guy. 
and then they spin it again, and the next guy goes with you. They 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 switch up the team, so you're meeting new people too. On top of that, and y'all go out there and you go kill a bird, and it's all for a contest to win a belt buckle. Well, I was asked if I wanted to to guide up there, and I was like, heck yeah, by Warren Nunley, and and I land on up there. I was like, heck yeah, I'll go. And uh-huh. they said, bring your boy. He can get in on the competition too. Well, yeah, of course, of course, COVID canceled everything out, and uh, you know, up there as far as the competition, they said, look, let's still go. We're still going to hunt, and I was able to take my son. I was grateful for it. And to be quite honest with you, I was able to make a full long trip with my my boy at 15 years old. And uh, really, really, there's a there's a beautiful picture I got of me and him sitting on a rock overlooking a uh, what I like to call a bluff, mm-hmm. and uh, had some real life conversation with him for probably some of the closest conversation I had with my son, heart to heart in his 15 years and uh-huh. that's just a feel-good thing that you get to do through i wouldn't have been able to do it for this and i wouldn't have had that experience yeah and as we sat on that rock and we'd already been chasing birds all morning and seeing birds everywhere and trying to get up on one find one yeah. to get, you know for him to kill and uh we're sitting on that rock overlooking this look and it's just a rolling like meadow in the bottom woods on each side and we, we'd been hearing this bird gobble over here to one side of us. And he'd shut up and been sitting. He'd gone for, I don't know, 30, 45 minutes, maybe even an hour. We're sitting there talking. And the next thing you know, I heard an elk mew. Yeah. And when she mewed off over here, uh-huh. which was the first time my son had ever heard an elk mew. Okay. And when it mewed, we both looked at each other and that bird gobbled up beside us. And it was just, <laughs> that's one of the stories that he tells about hearing a, an elk make a turkey gobble, you know, and that's, that's the memories you get whenever you do this, you know, you hunt, you get into it, you take your kids, you teach them, you do hobbies like this. It just creates uh, the ability to enjoy it even more. Right. And uh, it's, it's interesting too. It's like when you hear the shot calls, the shot gobbles that you can get, and it's like, I've heard people getting a, a, a shot gobble out of um, a car horn going off door slam, kicking a rock. It's like, they, it's like, it's funny how they'll just all of a sudden speak up, but I can relate to that aspect of like being out there in Illinois. Like my dad was never really big into hunting, but he really loved fishing. And so over the last decade or so, we've been able to do, spend a lot of time together sitting out there from sun up to sundown, or depending on the time of the year, just out there fishing and bullshitting and going from there. And it's, and it's highly rewarding because it's like, he's going to be 68th in May. So it's like, I try to get his, many times is an opportunity to get out there as possible. So I'm looking forward to the spring coming up here in just a matter of a few weeks. Well, my, and, and my dad broke his back when he was 33 years old and we moved back home. We lived out West. I've enjoyed, I've, I've lived in all, or I know I've not lived. I've been to all 48 mainland States. Okay. Um, lived in numerous houses, been all over the country. And, at 30, I think my dad was 33 years. Yeah, he was 33 years old in 1983. He broke his back. Well, we had to move home here in Louisiana around family so he could have a back surgery. Mm-hmm. We came down from Idaho. Well, pretty much the the woods uh, enjoyment that I had down here was dad would go out with us, but he couldn't walk the woods and mm-hmm. he couldn't. He couldn't be up all the time, you know, and, and going through the back pains and stuff that he was, 
he made the best of it. He got out there. He taught me how to trap. And then I was trapping by myself at 10. And, uh, well, from 10 years old to probably about 15, I trapped anything from possums to coons to mm-hmm. whatever got in that old leg trap. I was catching them and skinning them and I would sell them. Okay. Well, I was taught by my dad, but it was minimal as far as um, hands-on with him, as mm-hmm. far as him showing me because he wasn't able to be out there. But as far as telling me what to do, he was able to fill me in with what life should be like and, and, and how you should handle it out there. Well, um, I've been able to, I've been able to share, you know, most of that with my kids. Now, granted, we, we're not, we don't live on the big piece of land that I grew up on. Uh-huh. So I have, I have a lease, you know, and I, we get to go out to the lease and we hunt. Neither one of my kids have missed a deer season literally since the day they were born. My mm-hmm. son was born on January 1st. That same season by January 14th, I had him in a deer stand with me and uh, <laughs> had him in a baby carriage, feeding, feeding him a bottle. Uh, I say carriage, a car seat. Um, mm-hmm. And then the same thing with my daughter. She was born in September, and that that following deer season, October, November, she was she went out to the woods with me, and uh-huh. she both of them want to go every year. They want to keep that streak alive, whether it's once or many. Now my daughter's the hunter. Yeah, she gonna go. She's gonna go <laughs> several times. She's gonna wake me up, but she woke me up one morning. And I I didn't even got on a lease one year. We were having kind of a rough time, and she's dad. You gonna take us hunting this year? And I had to call a buddy of mine and say, hey, man, can I borrow your deer stand for a morning just so we can keep the street? Because she remembered the street. So, I mean, they, these kids, they know what they're being taught. And uh-huh. there again, Jake went to Wyoming with me last year and Emily's going with me this year. Um, now, it's going to have to be different because of the COVID and they're not quarantined from school. So she's going to have to fly, but she's going to miss some school. My kids will my kids will play hooky to hunt as long as they got good grades. And they're uh-huh. active in their courts and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. John will give them a note. I can promise you. <laughs> <laughs> my, my daughter's only eight. So we, we're in that, we're in that limbo stage. We're not quite sure if she's going to continue on with the, the archery, but she still loves fishing though. She's, she, she'll, she's a rock star. She'll go out there on the boat with my dad and I will be out there from 11 o'clock at night until dark. And it's like, and she just, as long as we're catching fish, she's, she's loving it. Well, that's that's the way you gotta you, you gotta bring them up where where they're at least involved in it and it's the tetra was the first site that we introduced the infinite adjust system on the front end with previous sites we had what we call a hopscotch or plug and play type of scope housing where you had to bolt the scope housing to the frame find the correct location the tetra changed that with the infinite adjust system so now when you sight in your 20 yard mark you can really fine tune by sliding the whole scope housing up and down in this channel system that's probably one of the biggest features to the tetra another key feature of the tetra is ninja star yardage wheel getting a better hold on the yardage wheel, especially when you're hunting and you have heavier gloves on. The Tetra does have 100 yard capabilities with the yardage tape, and that's to the yard. A couple other key features of the Tetra is you get both third and second axis for even more precision. But one of the key features as far as looks goes is we've updated the front end or the housing 
of the Tetra. So now you have a brighter, larger uh, scope ring, which helps with peep alignment, as well as a built-in scope level, which is just more secure. The Tetra is available in a fixed frame bracket with, with three different mounting locations, as well as a dovetail or tournament edition. Uh, so you can adjust the distance that the scope housing is away from your bow. And the Tetra is also available in three different scope housing sizes. You get an inch and five eighths, an inch and three quarter, as well as a new four pin multiple pin head. All the heads are interchangeable. All the Tetras are compatible with any of our accessories. For more information, you can visit our website at www.hhasports.com. If they're not, if they're not given the chance, they never know. Mm -hmm. And then, and that's, that's an unfortunate thing that I see. And I'm, I'm a police officer, been in policing, you know, over 23, 24 years. Yeah. And, uh, you're in these neighborhoods and and it's, I mean, it's right here next to me and, 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 and Bossier city. There's kids that have never been hunting, fishing. They've never been outside the neighborhoods. They, they, you know, and that's, I don't want that for my kids. And I really don't want that for any kid, but they, every kid ought to have the capability of going and seeing something new. Mm -hmm. And, and there again, back to my calls, that's, that's what's helped. It's really helped me the last several years offset and be able to fulfill travels. We go to Alabama to hunt. Both of my kids have went with me on those. I mean, go to Texas to hunt. Uh, I've been to Missouri. I, I go all over Wyoming, mm -hmm. uh, Kansas, Oklahoma. So as long as I can keep this going into my family, then I'll keep doing the calls. And, and as long as people keep enjoying them, yeah. I, you know, it, that's, and, and, and I'm grateful for every person that buys a call or, or even asks about them because they've got mm -hmm. interest in my calls. And, uh, that's what keeps you going really is when you, when you get the, that input back or you get a picture of somebody too, that's, that used your call, your deer calls this year, man, I had so many people that, that had gotten deer grunts from me and were sending me pictures back and forth of, of, of kills that they got by stopping that deer with my grunt call. Dude, that's awesome. You know, there's more, no more of a warm, fuzzy feeling next to maybe calling in your kid's first turkey or, mm -hmm. or calling your, your kid's deer with a, with a grunt or them doing it with, you know, a call that they built or you built. So, yeah, man, I'm, I'm a blessed person to, to be able to do this, to talk to people like you, um, even work with people like I'm, I'm doing a project right now with Preston Pittman mm -hmm. and, uh, we're doing a call collaboration together. He, he did old school scratch box and I did, that's what these calls are all going to. It's all numbered calls. This one's number 35 and 50 right there. Okay. And, um, uh, we're, we're putting them in a box and I met Preston through this and he's, He's world renowned. I mean, he's, yeah. this dude's no, this dude's known all over the turkey industry. Yeah, and uh, for him, for him to want to do a project with me, I was just like, dang. I mean, blessed person, man. I'm blessed. I, I agree with you there too, man. It's like when you when you have the opportunity to meet people and reach out to you specifically, just because you have a platform or you have a product that people really enjoy. It's it's, it's a humbling feeling with all your hard work over the last couple of years because this is going on my third year of podcasting. I met some awesome people just like yourself, and it's like it's really an awesome experience because I use this 
platform to learn for myself and the people that do listen to it get a chance to listen to it too as well and it's like people i even got a, a people from overseas listening to the podcast so that it's just a fan it's just a, a nice feeling that like i'm reaching people in places in, uh, in western europe that or eastern europe that may have an opportunity may not have an opportunity to take advantage of it but i, I always constantly preach that you have an opportunity to get over to the main to the states here to go out and get yourself a public land access to go out hunting you know it's like I'm lucky. I'm blessed that I have right around, I have one spot of land that's got 80 acres of hunting. And then I got other spots at 250 acres of hunting for public land. So it's just getting out there and, and uh, checking it all out. Got, uh, deer season just wrapped up on January 31st for me. So now I'm switching my priorities over to small game. And I finally actually was able to find some uh, thir- uh, 410 ammunition. So I'm going to take my 410 out there. I'm just going to walk these lands and just kind of get an idea of everything and kind of map coordinate coordinates where i've seen signs and stuff like that to kind of give me an idea to prep for what i want to where i want to walk in for a ground blind because you and i talked about this here a few weeks ago that you neither one of us are really big in a tree stand we'd rather just sit in the ground just because it's just so it's so exciting to watch them come right in front of you uh, i do it for other reasons because my big self don't hang on the side of a tree too well <laughs> yeah i know the feeling i have I, when I was younger, I hung on the side of the trees, and granted, I I love seeing now. I mean, man, back whenever I did it, and and, and probably a lot of people that watch your podcast and the older folks, yeah, you put your old ladder stand upside a tree, and uh, you didn't have no tiles, you know. And now with the safety systems and stuff that they have, man, I mean it's it's made it a lot better. But I still don't hang on the side of a old pine tree very well. Mm-hmm. And, 400 pounds and six foot six it don't uh, and then on top of that i just look like a big old knot up there anyway <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can do, hear you there I do a lot of blind hunting i do a lot of blind hunting i carry a blind uh on my deer lease i got boxes but uh i'll carry blinds every turkey every everywhere i go turkey hunting i'm gonna have two blinds in the back of my pickup truck because mm-hmm. on a windy day i'm just gonna sit on the edge of the field and i'm gonna work those birds man yeah uh, it is what it is yeah, I walk out there with the, with a burlap, um, Allen burlap uh, fabric, and then three posts, and I just set them up, and it's like nothing's happening in the morning. I'll move to a different spot, move to a different spot, and it's like I like that flexibility walking around, but also get to get to see things from different perspectives on what how things come around, and uh, it's just fantastic because I got this one piece of property has so- properties on both sides of the road here, so it's like. It gives me the opportunity to look at uh, both perspectives this way. Then it's like, okay, how do I plan for walking here? Next is to figure out where are these turkeys at? Because that's what I'm gearing up for next after small games, uh, small game season's wrapped up. So it's it's the next thing to figure out where everything's at. Because I, I had a piece of public or pi- private land over in Minnesota, and it's like I was not a common to see 50, 60 birds. The th- some of the guns are smart though, but it's like I don't know how to call. So it's I'm I'm still learning, and I, I recognized last year that I needed to buy better equipment. So I'm definitely going to be getting one of those because. I got a uh, plenty of trip up to northern Wisconsin with a friend of mine, uh, Craig James, and he's uh, last season he went four weeks in a row uh, shooting a bird. Well, it, and you could ask any hunter, do you know what the number one thing you need to take to the woods with you turkey hunting? What's that? Other than your gun, of course, is patience. Patience. You got to have patience, turkey hunting. You got to have patience. And uh, it's. You can call and you can make noises and stuff out there in the woods, but but even if you're the perfect caller and things aren't going, you really got to be patient. 
as you learn how to do it. Mm-hmm. It's not going to just come to you overnight and you're not going to kill a bird every day. And that's the reason why we love to hate it so much. <laughs> and uh, you get out there and that old, that old bird that's got a, a pea-sized brain is outsmarting you. You know, it's, it's the challenge, man. It's, it's really a, it's really a love hate relationship. And I, I, I thank goodness that, uh, Ben Franklin didn't get his way. So, you know, if he would, if he had got his way and made the turkey the national bird, we wouldn't be hunting them. And I don't think I could shoot that far for a bald eagle. <laughs> no, it would be kind of difficult. Yeah, it's like I know um, when I go on scouting for something like that, I always try to plan ahead and set up trail cams to figure out where entrance and exit points. And I just sit there and just that's all I do because with turkey hunting, it's best just just to remain seated in one location so this way you're not creating too much noise. Deer season, that's like that's when I, I'm a little more more risk risk taking. But turkeys, man, it's like you like you said, it's got to be very patient and just sit tight because you, you know, you're lucky to run, run them off someplace. Good luck. having them come back out again. Well, yes and no. Okay. Uh, I'm not a sit. I don't, I don't, I don't go and sit in one spot and basically deer hunt them. I, I got to call and be vocal with them and talk to them. Yeah. And, and I'm going to walk, I'm going to walk a lot of ways. I'm, I'm going to make a lot mm-hmm. of tracks in the woods, but Hello, we're at the 2020 ATA show at uh, Veteran Innovative Products, uh, an all-American made and manufactured broadhead. So we've got a new one for 2020 called the Combat Veteran 4-Blade. As you can see, 4-Blades got a lot of the same high-quality materials we used with our original 2-Blade Veteran, but the Combat Veteran has a different deployment system. How it deploys is you just squeeze a little bit on your main blades, okay, those compress, and then the broadhead opens. It still has our momentum management compressible blade technology. So the cutting diameter is inch and a quarter by two inches on this when deployed. Uh, in flight, it's one inch by inch and a quarter. Another feature we added this year with these heads uh, is that you can exchange the bone breaching field point tip with a 125 grain setup if you would like. So swap the tip out, get you 125 grains instead of 100, which is big with those Western hunters. And then it's really simple to lock back in place roll those blades up and then it's a click and another click on the other side it's completely set in will not prematurely deploy will not rattle free solid containment 100 percent deployment every time so we've made a lot of good adjustments and refinements to it to make sure that it's guaranteed to deploy every single time so that's what's new for vip this year but when i say patience just because he's not talking to you doesn't mean you, you you got you got to make your whole track through those woods as if he's ten yards in front of you. You got to be yeah. quiet. You got to you got to listen. You got to pay attention. And it really turkey hunters, a true turkey hunter is a woodsman, a hell of a woodsman. And mm-hmm. uh, and you really got to bring you got to bring your A game when you're turkey hunting. Uh, they they are they are a difficult difficult animal, and some people have it. Some people just make it easy. Some people just make it look so easy to get one mm-hmm. but on the over overall respect of the animal it's it's a tough hunt and it's an enjoyable hunt and you really got to do your homework and be patient and and get out there and find them and once you find them and ain't nothing like calling that first one in after that it's just man it's just a it's like it's like the drug of drug of choice for the hunter mm-hmm. i'm surprised you, you you've gone elk hunting right or not when I was younger, okay. when I was younger, but 
they they might as well be a turkey. I've always said if deer talk like turkey, I I wouldn't even have a job. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't. Because. A lot of people. I've noticed a lot of people out, out west they will look pair elk and uh, turkey similar to the, how they talk and how they converse and how you can work with them to get them to come in and stuff like that is watching Randy Newberg and Steve Rennell and these guys calling in these mount, these big old elk. It's like it, you get the same thrill here in the Midwest being after get after some turkey because being able to, to talk to them just right to walk them right in for a kill shot. It's just it's very reward, rewarding. Well, and you, and, and there again, I haven't done enough elk hunting i can't even really regards other than watching it but yeah i would i would say that you have you have to hunt you hunt both of them you got several ways you can hunt both yeah. of them because you can you can call you can just be calling just strictly trying to get that gobbler's attention mm-hmm. and you have to do it a different way or you can find out that that gobbler is actually with a, a, a mad hen Mm-hmm. And you tick that hen off and she wants to come beat up this hen that's calling and she comes dragging along this gobbler that's 20 yards behind her because she's coming in there. Well, now you've drugged that gobbler by ticking off the hen. Well, in that same respect, you're calling after that bull elk a certain way or mm-hmm. you just start trying to call the pot, I would think. You know, mm-hmm. I've seen it. I don't, I don't know exactly how that works, but yeah, yeah I mean, you, when you got a male-dominant male out there that's got his harem whether it be cows or hens they're following them around during that breeding season and you got to get the attention of one or the other to bring them to you okay and and yeah they are so like i said if deer did it being that that's one of a thing that i hunt we're just getting out of deer season if deer talk like turkeys or elk Uh It would be crazy. I'm glad yeah, we don't have elk in Louisiana because I wouldn't have no money. Right? No kidding. Well, they, they did. They have found uh, in Florida. They have found skeletal remains of elk at one point in time centuries ago. Yeah. Now, yes. uh, and Arkansas's got elk. Arkansas yes. has elk yes. now, and you can you can get a tag up there. But but I'm just talking about just in a general sense of them mm-hmm. walking around. I, mean, I I couldn't do it. <laughs> I guess yeah. it would be crazy for me. It would it would be quite interesting. Now you said you mentioned earlier about turkeys and harems. Like, so what does a typical uh, harem look like for a tom and for hens? Well, I mean, there you can go out. You can go up to Wyoming where I was seeing we were seeing groups of seventy five to a hundred. Uh, wow. The first few days that we got up there, but then they kind of busted up. Okay, um, and it was just that time of the year that we got there. They they were busting up as we were getting up there. Um, Man, there's a um, down here. I mean, you might they might have just one hen that you might have two or three toms that are chasing around after her. You might have four or five hens uh, hunting turkeys in Louisiana and Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Is tough. It's tough. These Pine Hill birds, these old Piney Woods birds, are are a tough breed to get after. There again, there are those people that make it look easy. Yeah. And my experience is this is this is a tough hunt, and uh, when you're hunting birds in Louisiana, and you to put a number on on a, a harem, I mean, it may not be, and that's just using that term. It may not be a harem, maybe just one or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to breed, and they're going to go get out there on their eggs and and start laying eggs. Uh, the biology uh, biology behind that, I don't know. I don't know it. Uh, there's 
my understanding is once a bird is bred by Tom, they're only they only have so many eggs mm-hmm. that fertile and they drop them and then they they may breed again or they may set the eggs depending on the clutch of eggs that they have but okay i can't say whether that's 100 percent fact or not i'm not into the biology of it yeah I, I haven't followed much into that either myself so it's like it's perfectly if it, if the listeners want to go out and look for that detail they can always find it there's plenty of resources sure. out there to take after it so what was the this, the inspiration of getting into calling because you said you started back in 2005 then you use then you just kind of one thing led to another like what were some of your bigger uh connections that helped you mold your craft to where it is today well there again i started i i had hunted turkeys per se as a kid not understanding them mm-hmm. and just never killing one running around out there and not having a there again, my dad wasn't a turkey hunter, and he didn't have the capabilities of being that quiet, uh, easing through the woods type. You know, he mm-hmm. went to the deer stand and was sad. So he he never did, and I wish, God, I wish I had him back today so that I could take him on one of these turkey hunts that I get to go on now because I could make yeah. it work for him. Mm-hmm. But back then, I didn't get that, but I did turkey hunt. But there, somewhere around 2005, I just, like I said, I started with the police department, and I was on a deer lease that had turkeys, and around here, you either love turkeys or you hate turkeys. There ain't okay. no in-between, really. People that get them on their deer stand, and they're up there eating all their corn and stuff, boy, they matter, and heck, they want to run off. A, mm-hmm. a turkey hunter, they're like, man, I'll pour more corn out. That's fine. I'm not got them in the area. Yeah. But I uh, I had turkeys on a, on a lease that I was on, and I met this, this man, you know, this captain at the police department, and he was a golly. He was just avid. He loved it. And he was an older fellow, and he kept on me and kept on me. And finally, you know, and it took a couple seasons, and finally it was like, okay, let's go. And when we sat down, it was something about it, man. We sat down on a pipeline before dark or before daylight and uh, had no idea where they were at. Mm-hmm. We were just going to start listening. He said, let's get in there before daylight on the pipeline. We'll listen, see what we can make. Sure enough, that man started playing purrs on that pot call, and I'll be darned. One didn't gobble, and it had to be in a couple hundred yards behind us, but it was the first gobble I ever remember hearing from a call. Okay. Paused during a turkey season. And, man, that I'm telling you, that I was just like instantly, and if you you know any turkey hunters, it's, it's, it's natural for just as soon as you hear that turkey gobble, you go, you point at it. You, you may, you're going to point the direction that he's gobbling. Mm-hmm. Uh, Instantly, I mean, I was like, you, see, you hear me? And I mean, from then on, everything, it just, I, it was just in me from that point. Uh-huh. And uh, we chased after that bird. We didn't get that bird, but it took a couple of years before I was able to take my first bird and, and did that up in Missouri mm-hmm. and with him, matter of fact. And, uh, you know, like I said, it just, just from there, it just kind of went off to where I didn't, I just wanted to build a turkey call built it and had friends that were questioning, you know, talking about what you do with the wing bone. They'd heard about a wing bone call and we put them together and here I am, you know, mm-hmm. years later I'm doing it and they've evolved definitely because, uh, my first, my first calls were, this is one of my first ones right there. That That's probably number two. I think I made a set. And I clear coated them a couple of years later. 
Okay. But they, uh, you know, it just, they, they've become better. I, and, it, and it's been by way of communicating with, with friends all over the country. Kevin Lynch, um, the first person I ever talked to about a call, of course, was Steve Savage. But I was talking about it. We would like to just take a second to help you make the final decision on your new Kydex holster. We the People offers all American-made holsters designed for everyday carry. Whether it's inside the waistband or outside, these holsters are made with quality and don't break your bank like other high-end holster companies. And plus, they offer free shipping on all orders in the USA. So go have a look, and while you're at it, check out what else they have to offer. Merch link in bio. In reference to a box that he had and I sent him a call and then he called me back and said, man, that's a darn good sounding call and you can make it look better. Why don't you contact this guy? He's a national champion. Okay. And Kevin Lynch has been over backwards to, to teach me. I say teach me to give me information long distance from Louisiana to Kentucky via phone on how to make my calls better, shinier, cleaner looking, uh, different ways of cutting them, how to get my, uh, my, my suction right and my, the, the, the voice out of the call the way I want it, how to mm-hmm. play a call, mm-hmm. um, how to get artwork on it. And, you know, we've, we've shared things back and forth and it just evolved to, to going into competitions. I wasn't going to go into a competition. I was never going to do a competition. Yeah. I told him I didn't want to do competitions and he okay. talked me into it doing the Mississippi call competition. And uh, I sent calls down there. And the first time I ever sent, I won first and third and met Preston Pittman. And there's the story behind Preston Pittman is just becoming friends with him through my first time. I, I sent a call out for a competition. And now we're uh, partners on a project, but then I went to nationals and I've won I don't know. It's, it's, it's several. I mean, I've won everywhere from first place to, to fifth place in okay. the competition as far as having a hunting wing bone or a, or a, a decorative wing bone. I've had more luck in the decorative division. Um, I'm still working on getting the, the tones exactly right. But when you got, um, every judge has a different ear, mm-hmm. just like every person's got a different ear and every, everybody's got a different voice. So the, the, the hunting competition is a difficult one and you just got to, I send my best sounding call to it. And, you know, I've made as high as fifth place in the hunting competition, but you know, I'm shooting for the stars. I'll, I'll aim for the Jordan award in the first, first place in the hunting competition and the, either the cane calls or the, the wing bone calls. Sometime it'll happen. You know, I, I've come to enjoy the competition end of it. Um, I don't send to every competition, but I do send, to the Mississippi, I send the nationals and I'm going to branch out next year, send some to, you know, a couple of these other, uh, big call competitions and see how it turns out. That is exciting. So what do you got planned for this upcoming uh, spring then? What do you got on your, on your docket? Ooh, well, I'll be making calls for as many people that want to, that want to buy or, or get a call from me. Yeah. Um, of course I'm going to be turkey hunting too. So get, they need to get the orders in now. Uh, so that I can start knocking them out before turkey season. And that way they can use them and enjoy them this year. But um, other than turkey call building, man, I, I got uh, nationals, 
being the, the, the COVID part of nationals is kind of changing some things up with the NWTF national competition. Okay. Um, sometime between March and, and June, uh, they'll have the competition and it'll be, um, it's going to be probably online. We'll send our calls in and they'll be judged without, you know, it's going to be a different format to doing it. There's some people who are excited about it. Some people don't like it. And some people are like me, I'm just going to do it in support of NWTF. Yeah. Um, and, and to see how my calls do. Uh, but then man, I'm going to hunt. I'm going to hunt. I'm going to hunt again this year. I'm going to, I got a trip again with Warren Nunley. We're taking off. We're mad at those birds in Texas. Um, we're joining up with Preston Pittman. going to go over to go over and I'm going to, I'm actually going to get a chance to hunt next to a tree and share a campfire with a man. I, I don't want to sound too man crushed or anything, but I idolized growing up learning how to turkey hunt and yeah. how, how to be a woodsman is Preston Pittman, man. I get to, I get to share a tree with him this year and, uh, Hopefully we can we can share a hunt, a successful hunt, and get a bird. But you know what? It that bird's second nature when you're making friends and, and enjoying people, yeah, and uh, getting to know each other. So we're going to do that over in Texas, and then we're going to we're going to take off from Texas and run up to Wyoming, and uh, we're going to do the Old West Turkey Shoot, guide that, and we're going to spend a week up there beforehand and just get to see the countryside, maybe put in a hunt of our own, me and Warren, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll come back down. I don't know if we will or won't, but we're looking into Indiana, possibly hunting Indiana. Uh, if not, we'll come on home. Uh, I'll hit Mississippi and Alabama. I'll do an Alabama trip with my, my son. And of course I'm going to try to get my daughter up there to Wyoming this year and, and get her a Miriam's. And, um, man, it's just, whether I take a trip or, or I just hunt here, I'm blessed to be able to do it and blessed to be able to, uh, to talk about it with other people, man, that's pretty exciting here. And then, what are the best ways to get a hold of you? Because I know you have your 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 Facebook group and your Facebook page. Is there any other means of the best way of reaching out to you? Uh, man, my phone number's out there. Um, I don't know how you're gonna put the podcast out if it's online or what have you, but uh, my phone number, I'll show it up. I don't know, is that working out for you there? Oh yeah, perfect. My phone number one. Yep, I got everything you can see everything clearly. My phone number's on there. Uh, I do have, you know, I do have an email address, but give me a call, shoot me a text. Um, mm-hmm. I'm on Messenger. I got my Facebook group. You can go in and you can look at calls on on that. Uh, I got photos of every, just about every call that I, I say just about. A lot of calls that I've put out, I got pictures on there. I try to add them every time. Um uh, Man, and I, and, and I got two other wet or two other groups on Facebook that I'd love to have everybody join. One of them is uh, Worldwide Turkey Hunters and Call Makers, and that's for the turkey enthusiasts. And then uh, I've got a deer page too that's Corn Pile Documentaries. And both of them, man, they're family, they're family friendly. Uh, we're not going to bash hunters that may take a Jake or may take a, a spike buck. You know, mm-hmm. to me, the hunt is, is as important and as fun as you make it. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as it's in the legal realms of, of what the, the law is and, mm-hmm. and, um, respectful, 
then we'll talk about it. And I want everybody to have a platform to share their most intimate time in the woods with hunting and, and enjoying their kids. Mm-hmm. And without those stories, man, we won't be able to keep the conservation going and the kids involved. And like I said, we, we really, really need to focus on our kids getting out there and, and Hey, those new adults out there that, that just might happen on the podcast, catch up with somebody that hunts and go out and try it. At least yeah. you, at least if you, if you're going to talk about it and, and not like it, try it and at least say that, well, I tried it and I didn't like it. We got to respect that. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Hunters are open arms and, you know, to, to new hunters and, and conservation is, is really, um, taken care of our conservation is really taken care of by the hunters. Mm-hmm. So that's what we need to focus on. Amen to that brother. And then I, I shout out to, uh, hunting for connections. That's, that's, uh, that whole platform is designed for people to meet up with and to interact and get and go out hunting for places. Cause I've used that resources. Like I've been looking at doing a mule over the counter mule deer hunt out there in Nebraska. So I've been, I've been probing people out there and then also asking my network of friends too, about who they can know and like how they can best to put me on spots, lands where they could, where I have the high rate of success or coming out and like joining me when I, when, when I do happen to have a chance to run down this. So that's, that's the nice thing about the community. It's all about that camaraderie, you know, uh, it's, it's just, it's fantastic for all the information. I, I appreciate everything. Thank you for your service for the 23, 23 years in the force and the stuff that you're going through. It's like, you're doing a great job. Thank you very much. Hey, hey, not everybody's bad. and We all just need to be respectful. B I N G O brother. All right. Thank you. Thank you for coming on the podcast. You have yourself a good night. Thank you, sir. Thanks for the call and thanks for the invite. You're welcome.